With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to a special edition episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts with me, Mike Murphy, and Tom Urch Jr. Tom, things have happened uh, since... uh, we recorded with you, myself, and Adam. We talked some prospects and, uh, of course, Buchnevich is signing. But because Buchnevich signed Tom, uh, there was a clock on when the Rangers could execute their buyout. And last night, we're recording this on... What is today, Tom? Today is... August 1st. Yeah, August... How is it August already? I have no um, idea. The Rangers have bought out Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, and that is... Obviously something we're going to talk about in uh, the flagship and over the summer, I'm sure. But we wanted to just do a quick show to kind of have our initial reactions to what I know both you and I as, you know, writers and analysts and people who spend a lot of time covering the Rangers. This didn't feel like like we heard the the beat writers talking about this, especially Larry Brooks. Um, So, you know, something was going on there. There There's definitely smoke, but... When you looked at the numbers behind the buyouts and you looked at the roster, especially with Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith, this didn't feel like the best path forward. And actually, you wrote an article that went up today, today is Thursday, about what the Rangers could have done outside of this or a different path that they could have taken that didn't involve buying out Shattenkirk. But here we are, Tom. Can you believe that the Rangers chose to buy out the last two years of Kevin Shattenkirk's contract? Well, I can believe it now, now that it's actually official that, you know, the Rangers confirmed that they in fact bought him out, even though we had confusion of window open, window close, move made, wait, the move hasn't been made yet, but it's going to be made and all the, you know, nonsense that was yesterday where we all are looking at our watches, you know, pencils down at five o'clock and no news just comes out and we're thinking you know wow you know the rangers um had the window open and have it closed and not make any moves and then we find out that no one really knew what was going on and i guess that's just sort of a byproduct of you know how things work with the rangers sometimes it's like this this cone of silence and then when things were officially clarified um yeah they bought out shattenkirk and it's I know that there was all this smoke about it, but I can't believe that this is the road that they actually took. And um, it's it's I'm still processing it somewhat because you just look at all the math. And like I wrote today, um, they're going to be playing salary cap Tetris for the next few years. And a lot of people have sort of downplayed that. And I, I think that they don't fully realize that how fluid things are going to be because we still have players that aren't signed. We still have players that we don't know if we're going to extend them. Um, so it's it's just a lot to take in. And 
like I, uh, I've had this, I probably had this conversation a bunch of times. Like I was having this conversation last night with someone at Chili's. Interestingly enough, I had it, you know, with someone at work today, and obviously oh. we've all been talking about it. Where'd you get a Chili's, Tom? I got the big mouth bites, the you the sliders what? with fries. The, the big mouth bites are one of my go-to's. I very much respect the big mouth bites. It's a, it's a powerful order. It's a, it's uh, it's cost effective. It fills you up. I like it. I like the big mouth bite. Yeah, and I had all four sliders instead of just having two and then, you know, buying out the, the rest of them like, uh, you know, Rangers did with Shattenkirk's contract. Oh, wow. Look what you did there. You, you brought it back. The moment I threatened to take the show off the rails, you were ready to bring it back. Yeah, the... Like you said, the math behind this is interesting, I think, is, you know, there's a lot of words we could use, but... You know, I wrote a piece about the dead cap space that the Rangers would have to work with. So this year, you know, Shattenkirk's the penalty of his buyout for this upcoming season is $1,483,333. So roughly speaking, $1.5 Next season, so the 2020-2021 season, Tom, his buyout penalty carries just over $6 million in dead space just from Shattenkirk's contract alone closer to 6.1 million actually which is why you know this game of Tetris you're describing I think is pretty appropriate because there are some big decisions that need to be made uh, for the Rangers the, the the thing that a lot of people point to is you know maybe there's not a lot that this team has to do in terms of re-signing guys that are here now and that makes that dead cap space a little less scary but if the Rangers wanted to entertain in any way Chris Kreider, it's an extension for him. It's looking pretty grim at this moment, unless there are more trades coming. Um, after this season, of course, Kreider and his $4.625 million is off the books. Nemestikov's $4 million is off the books. Uh, Strom is actually a restricted free agent, but he's in the last year of his $3.1 million uh, contract. On the, uh, his AAV is $3.1 million, I should say. And Bolesky and Jesper Fast uh, also come off the books in terms of guys who who carry you know a significant amount of, of cap, meaning anything over kind of 1.5. There's also the Greg McKegs and stuff of the world. But looking at this, Tom, it's it, it does potentially affect the way the Rangers put together their roster. And maybe this is just a case of they're saying we're just going to tighten the belt next season knowing that we don't have to sign any big extensions and kind of ruling out the Chris Kreider potential extension, which leads one to believe that the Rangers are either accepting the fact they're going to move him before the season or Jeff Gorton and company are completely complacent with the idea of uh, Matt Zuccarello 2.0 situation, or Kevin Hayes for that matter, where a player is just playing with this cloud over his head and knowing that he's going to be moved at the deadline, which... I remember Brooks and several other people saying that the Rangers couldn't kind of afford to do that to the locker room, to have that happen again, and to have it happen with a player as influential and popular as Kreider, who, you know, is one of those guys who can, you know, speak Russian and connect with some of the guys on the team like Panarin and Kravstov. It's, there is some locker room stuff there to talk about, which I want to tie into the fact that, you know, the math didn't work on this all that well. For Shattenkirk, it does get the Rangers currently. If you look at cap friendly, Tom, um, as I continue to ramble here, the Rangers are just over a million in 
cap space left, but of course uh, they have cap friendly has Brendan Smith on its roster, and the Rangers still haven't signed D'Angelo and Brendan Lemieux. So I wonder if the Rangers chose to buy at Shattenkirk, knowing they could kind of squeak by, and saying to themselves that you know dealing with 2.5 million of dead cap in the final two years of his uh, of his buyout because remember friends Dan Girardi's buyout penalty is here for four more years as well that they're just saying we're going to tighten the belt and we wanted to make room for Adam Fox and get one of these guys out of the way and Shattenkirk just happened to be the casualty instead of Mark Stahl I mean part of the problem that I also have it's you know it's give me space now give it back later and if the rangers don't do anything drastic for the you know the remainder of the summer which may be the case um you know as indicated by they opted to go down this road of buying him out to you know get cap compliant and then figuring Bolesky down smith down you sign uh, lemieux and uh D'Angelo to just about what their qualifying offer was, which would be something they've done in the past. They did it with JT Miller. So then they, like you said, they've tightened the belt. But then the problem becomes, okay, next year, you know, July of 2020, not only do you have those UFAs, the biggest one being Kreider that you're replacing or you're re-signing, you have more RFAs because odds are you're you're going through the motions with D'Angelo again. You are going through the motions again potentially with Lemieux. And you're doing this at a point where the following season, because everything is you're it's like you're they're in a build, so you're they're layering and layering and layering. So the financial decisions they make next summer will impact the following summer, which obviously Hank comes off the cap, but Heedle, Anderson, Howden, Buchnevich, Hayek would all be RFAs. So it, it it just to me it's like, okay, so they needed to get ready for this season, but sooner or later they're gonna be going through this again, and unless they're able to make some trades in season, um, it's hard to plan out a picture that allows them to keep sort of the integrity of their roster, amping it up to become more of a contender. Um, you know, without finding a way to clear some space. And like you said, the math just doesn't work for me. But maybe there's another move to come after this buyout that we just haven't seen yet. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, in addition to, you know, Smith getting buried, you know, it's it's really not that crazy to assume that the Rangers consider moving Vlad Nemesikov or Ryan Strom in a deal, if not Chris Kreider, and then... You know, they have that room, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people might say, well, you know, you have to replace those guys, but if you subtract one of the bodies that is currently on the roster now, you know, the Rangers could have, you know, Cristobal Nieves or Greg McKegg on the fourth line. Not a lot of people who are making their off-season rosters for fun or have those guys in their fourth line, Tom, but uh, that can very well happen here, and... It's, uh, it is a very interesting path that the team has chosen to take. The, the thing that just kind of, I mean, to make it clear, the Rangers can make this work. It's not like they chose a path that has an obstacle that it, it like this just doesn't work. But the fact that, you know, they, they've chosen 
to <laughs> opt for Stahl being on the team as opposed to Shattenkirk is really the thing that I uh, is I just hit a wall in my head when I try to understand what's going on here because this speaks to the fact that you know what's the question here you want to be more loyal to Mark Stahl and it's like well what about Kevin Shattenkirk's loyalty he left term and money on the table to become a ranger um, he's a younger player by every metric imaginable he's the far better player um, do the Rangers, you know, create more cap space this upcoming season with buying out Chattenkirk? Yeah, but like looking at it from that perspective, it's you know how much more cap space are you saving can, when you consider what Stahl or Chattenkirk brings to the table? Maybe this whole thinking, Tom, is they just are keeping Stahl over Chattenkirk because. They're, everyone is resigned to the fact that Stahl is the guy they're just going to, you know, ask to face the Lions every night on the second pair or on that left side. And that's just what the Rangers are going to do. And it's not only that, it's also, so now that you've removed Shattenkirk from the occasion, or from the um, the equation, yeah. rather, it's, um, so obviously Truba is going to be on your top pair. And D'Angelo is unsigned right now. He'll, you know, They'll likely sign him. There's no issue now. Uh, second pair, and then Fox on the third pair, and it leaves a lot of. Um, I don't want to say hope in the sense like that they're hoping that D'Angelo is able to be the player he was last year, and that they're hoping that uh, Fox is able to you know do at the NHL level what he had, he showed he could do in college and you know internationally, but. There's no fallback option if D'Angelo is unable to replicate the success. I mean, uh, towards the end of the season, we saw that um, you know the tough love was getting through to Quinn, but I believe it was you know there was this that one stretch where he was a scratch and and Quinn was like, oh you know, check with me again in you know two or three weeks, and it was just sort of you know old Tony D'Angelo again. Um, so it's. That's an, that's another wrinkle to it, and then also, I, I would say that we've had, um, you know, at least in the past, there's been problems with how Rangers defenders are evaluated, and with Stahl in the picture, that means, I mean, unless they're going to, you know, um, completely blow up uh, the first pairing by, you know, taking their their worst asset and pairing it with one of their best assets in Jacob Truba, but. Based on how they've you know promoted the friendship of Truba and Shea, I think that's your top pair. You're gonna have Stahl playing with D'Angelo again, which wasn't great. It was okay, or Adam Fox. So are you gonna have another situation like with last year with Neil Pionk? And it's it just it there there doesn't make sense to me. That's the easiest way to say it. Yeah, and I feel like we're kind of, I know we're rehashing a lot of the same points and we're kind of just like hitting the same conclusion that doesn't make sense, but this is kind of a very curious decision in what has otherwise been certainly what I would call an aggressive offseason, and, and this move is aggressive and it fits that pattern, but I don't think it necessarily lines up with some of the thinking that we've seen with these other decisions, especially the decision to, you know, accelerate uh, in such a dramatic way with the Panarin signing and the trade and signing of Truba and you know the fact that they're both taking up as much space as they are like this could have been something the team 
avoided. They could have taken a different tack here. They could have tried something different. And it's it's going to be strange to think that you know, you know this guy who's this big ticket free agent signing two seasons ago who you know played on one knee in his first season and last season he under a coach where a lot of us thought you know what Shattenkirk's going to get a a fair shake with David Quinn. David Quinn knows this player. Uh, the team, you know, hyped up that connection they had, and Shattenkirk was almost immediately a healthy scratch, and David Quinn was asking so much more of him, and, or, you know, putting, giving him kind of a shorter leash than Mark Stahl, who continued to struggle in his play, continued to, you know, go on the decline. So this is an interesting turn of events for this sad and short time that Shattenkirk spent in New York. Uh, it leads one to wonder, Tom, you know, especially with all the talk we heard from, you know, Larry Brooks about there just, there was no one in the league that wanted him at 50% salary retained. I have a hard and time believing that. I have a hard time believing it too, and it makes me very curious what he's going to get as an unrestricted free agent now, because you know, the bottom line here is that, you know, he could just happily take a league minimum salary to play for a cup contender but guys that have his skill set are worth a lot of money especially this late in the offseason when teams might have missed out on an opportunity or don't expect to find someone who they can comfortably have on their second pair on the right side and on their first power play unit like you're not supposed to find these guys in august tom so i expect shattenkirk to be making more than a million a year in whatever the next deal he signs is and you know there's a couple of places where he could be a great fit tampa being one um you know it's worth mentioning that you know he recently moved into a new apartment in the city and he and his wife uh just welcomed uh you know the birth of their first child or their first child into the world so there's a good chance he's going to want to stay local um but i'm not sure i know a lot of rangers fans have been rolling their eyes saying oh watch him sign with the devils but you and i talked before the show i'm not sure there's a lot of fits for him in you know the immediate vicinity in terms of the Islanders, the Devils, and Philly. I'm not sure there's a spot for him to plug in on those teams because their blue lines are kind of set. But maybe the Devils say, you know, tough luck, Connor Carrick, or you know something along those lines happen. But you know, there's not to mention there's been all that overhaul that we saw in terms of Philly's blue line. I don't, I don't know if they're going to throw a wrench into things and what is already kind of a bit of a mess there. Yeah, it's tough to plot it out because obviously the reason Shattenkirk ended up in New York in the first place is because he wanted to come home. Um, he had started his career, um, you know, drafted by Colorado. He's, you know, traded to St. Louis. He's there the good part of his career. He's, a uh, you know the year that he slated to hit free agency goes to the capitals and signs with the rangers so he took less money because this is where he wanted to be but as you said there's not a lot of fits jersey you could potentially make it work i mean they just brought in suban they already have damon severson you know so those are two guys that i would expect to be on the power play um you know he's not gonna be uh obviously if he can have an opportunity to stay local he'll take it so from yeah. a financial perspective even if he's playing the third pairing and you know getting thrown a bone every so often um you know islanders have space 
but it seems that um you know i mean maybe like they could make him their their top pairing right defenseman i mean you know they still have johnny boychuk but you know boychuk hasn't been um as productive as he's been in in recent years so maybe that happens um the the fit that i thought of but obviously it will not work because they don't have the space it would have been a happy medium in terms of a team that could use someone like him and a team that's a contender would have been the bruins but they yeah. have two rfas to deal with so i think it's going to be like a team like tampa because they have the space in terms of right defensemen like they're stacked down the left headman mcdonough sergachev you look at their right-hand side, you know, Jan Rutta, 29, Luke Shen, 29, you know, Luke Witowski, uh, 29, and then you have Eric Cernak, who played pretty well with um, Ryan McDonough. But you slot in uh, Shattenkirk there, and it would be pretty funny to see, uh, you know, another, t- another instance where Rangers get the pairing <laughs> that they never got. So... First, it was Strawman and McDonough, and then it becomes McDonough and Shattenkirk. So, uh, yeah, it would be poetic. Um, and maybe that's uh, something that Shattenkirk and his family are going to look at this, this opportunity to, you know, really just to chase a cup this year. Maybe he says, you know what, I'm just maybe I'll sign a one year deal, um, make a point, play for a very competitive team, maybe, you know, raise his stock again, stay healthy, focus on that. And then, you know, try to sign another deal because he is only 30. That's the other part of this that is so, um, just kind of hurts my brain because, you know, Stahl is a couple years older, which naturally leads one to believe that, you know, by the time Stahl's contract is in the last year of his contract, his play is going to only uh, continue to decline. So there is still a lot to, you know, digest here and, and break down Tom but and we're gonna get to that in the flagship but it's um it, this is just kind of a, a regrettable uh, you know conclusion to Shattenkirk's time here uh, with the Rangers and you know it's it is what it is and I know a lot of fans you know say like oh boohoo you know he's getting all of his money and then he's gonna sign another contract he might actually make money out of this but there's the human element to this uh, I got to interview Kevin a couple times and you know for for the work he does with the uh, jam cancer in the can uh, foundation which raises money for uh, families that are dealing with pediatric cancer and he was always very generous with his time and happy to talk and you could tell he truly loved being a ranger his his family loved the fact that he was a ranger it's something that they all wanted for him um, and this is just kind of a shitty way for for this to end for him and for the Rangers and I can't help but feel like he got a really raw deal all things considered uh, not only joining a team that looked like a contender that almost immediately said you know what we're going to rebuild the injury he played through um, you know and you know the the way he kind of was you know given a short leash under David Quinn when you know, it was really, in my opinion, a great opportunity for him to, to rebound. And he didn't really get to do that. Although, at 5-on-5, five five, his underlying numbers were still good. And really, that's that's the message here. Someone out there, Tom, is going to get a good second-pair right-side NHL defenseman who can play in the power play. And, uh, 
that is, you know, I know that Shattenkirk became a polarizing player because of his contract and really just the people who paid attention to the counting stats, but he's still a pretty damn good NHL defenseman. And guys like him don't grow, grow on trees. It just so happens that the Rangers acquired Jacob Truba. They have Anthony D'Angelo, and they acquired Adam Fox. And all those factors, in addition to the huge signings of Panarin and the, you know, the acquiring and then signing Truba, just brought the Rangers to this decision, and this is the, the way they went. And it's I wish we had a little more clarity on the thought process behind it. Maybe we'll get that, but I don't think we normally have come to expect that from the Rangers front office. Maybe that's different under JD. We'll see. But... There's still a lot to consider here, Tom. Overall, I'm, I'm just disappointed. I don't like how this ended. Me neither, and I found myself, um, after it was, you know, we'd heard the news yesterday, I pulled up the Players' Tribune article that he uh, wrote for the, the first day. Uh, I, he was a Ranger, uh, or, or I guess it was ahead of the first game. Um, you know, the text started coming in at 12.30, Rangers... And he sort of, he's talking about all these things that he got, and he then says, well, he was um, he was a little perplexed because, as people remember, Kevin Weeks had put out a tweet and that, oh, that he was coming to the Rangers, but he hadn't made up his mind at that point, so there was this sort of, is he or isn't he? Um, but yeah, I mean, Shattenkirk, he, you know, Grew up in New Rochelle, Westchester area kid, um, you know, skated around Rye Playland when the the Rangers still had their, um, you know, training facility there. Um, you, you know, grew up, Brian Leach was his hero, watched the 94 Cup Parade. It was just, it was just a, a, a sort of a situation that he, he dreamed of becoming a Ranger. He dreamed of being able to help them win another Stanley Cup, and it didn't work out. I mean, no one can sit and say that the Rangers got the Kevin Shattenkirk that we thought we were going to get. Um, it it sucks the way that it happened that he was so motivated to be a part of this team that he gets injured in training camp but doesn't say anything because he doesn't want to let anyone down and then because of that he misses part of the season which then cuts into his preparations for last year and just everything snowballed because his his heart was in the right place and you know i understand people that said well this is a business and they had the financial decisions to make but you know not not to belabor the point but you're talking about $950,000 in salary between him and Mark Stahl on the roster. I think they should have made it work for one more year. I refuse to believe that there were no trades to be made, but what's done is done, and I'll be very interested to see where he lands, and I think that as a age 30 player that was bought out by his childhood team, he is going to be super motivated to perform and then land a long-term contract or relatively long-term contract next offseason yeah something tells me there's high potential here for him to become a guy who just starts scorching the rangers but uh we'll have to see how that plays out uh that'll kind of do it for this kind of special little bonus podcast tom and i just felt like we had 
you know, kind of just like an, an early reaction. The, the news is still not even 24 hours old. Um, so because it all broke last night amidst that whole, well, when does the Rangers uh, buyout window open? And, you know, technically they still could do another buyout here, Tom, um, from what I understand. But I don't think that's the case. I would imagine we're going to see a trade. But really, there's no rush on when that's going to happen. So this might be the last big roster-shifting move that we see for a while. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. All right. That we will. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for, for joining me. And thanks for listening, folks. And we'll talk to you again on, well, we record on Monday. But you'll hear it on Tuesday morning. Bye-bye. Bye.